All right, here at Radio Parallax, we've been a big fans, as anyone who listens knows, uh, of Sacramento's News and Review. They've done some fine investigative uh, work over the last many years. At this point in time, we would like to go to, again, to uh, that fine institution to talk to one of its reporters, R.V. Scheid. Welcome to Radio Parallax, R.V. Thanks, Doug. Well, you're, I think, the fourth or fifth person we probably had from the News and Review uh, on our show. And uh, first off, just thanks for the good work you people do over there. Well, uh, you're welcome. You know, we love what we do, so it's, uh, you know, we're glad that it's appreciated. We read, I read recently that you guys are now the, num- you're the number two publication in Sacramento after the B. Yeah, we are. I mean, it, it's been that way for a while. I mean, it, it's probably kind of a, a sort of a sad commentary, actually, <laughs> on the, the sort of fate of newspapers nowadays. But uh, I wish there was uh, more competition here. But, uh, yeah, we're the alternative, basically. What, well, you caught my eye here with some recent stuff you've been doing in the news section and an article you did on the new nukes. Um, I want to talk about the nukes, but I'd like to start off with a very fascinating uh, aspect of your uh, reporting here a few weeks back when you actually had an email from a student in Lebanon, which you talked about. Um, yeah, it's. I've been corresponding with a young woman who's going to be a student at UC Davis in the in the fall, she was formerly at uh, River, Consumes River uh, College, the community college there, and she got one of those Regent scholarships, very smart young woman. Uh, Rita Maloof is her name, and uh, it's, uh, so I've been corresponding uh, regularly from uh, Lebanon, and, uh, uh, with, and uh, I, in fact, I got an email today. And, and how is she doing today? Well, uh, she's uh, doing fairly well. Um, you know, considering that, uh, you know, half their country has been destroyed, but uh, the ceasefire does seem to be holding. Uh, she lives in the sort of northern suburbs of Beirut, so it's not, you know, quite as bad as being down in the southern part of Lebanon. Uh, she's been assisting with the, the relief effort stuff, so uh, that's been very difficult. I mean, the day before the ceasefire, in an email she sent, she was talking about basically the Israeli defense forces of, you know, first they were, you know, helicopters were attacking trucks, and then sort of the relief effort switched to cars, and then they started attacking cars, and then, you know, it switched to scooters, and then to bicycles, and, you know, basically, at least according to Rita, it's, you know, anybody trying to travel in this way could be, you know, subject to you know, getting hit by a missile or shot by machine guns. or doesn't sound like uh, a place to spend your vacation. Well, RV, as you're talking to us right now, I am shocked by, well, what, what happens when you can get a first-hand report from the scene? I had not heard anywhere that they were basically shooting people on bicycles. I mean, this is coming from one person, and, uh, you know, it, it's certainly possible to discount it. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's, she's definitely been going through some real violent times so i mean i don't doubt it it's uh it's uh, i have but I, like you i haven't seen any other reports of this but well you know maybe i have actually you know i mean basically for a, a time there it was if you were out on the street you were subject to being killed because anybody can be as blah in the idf's view when you just place 900,000 people in the country of lebanon obviously it's not a surgical strike on hezbollah positions no and, and from what I'm reading, it uh, I, I don't know if uh, people have read it, but or, or maybe you read it, Doug. It's an excellent article by Seymour Hirsch in the current New Yorker. Yes, 
on our website we're referring people to that. It basically talks about uh, how, uh, you know, the, this was seen as the U.S. The U.S. was aware of what was going to happen. They didn't, they didn't tell Israel to do it, according to Hirsch, but... But uh, it was basically seen as a, a you know a dry run to a possible U.S. assault on Iran, and taking out the infrastructure was uh, um, completely planned in advance, and uh, really didn't have anything to do with Hezbollah. Between what James Bamford's writing, what Cy Hirsch is writing, and what some other folks are writing, a lot of people are calling this a dry run for Iran. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, that's what Hirsch's conclusion is, and or not conclusion, but just the, the, the his sources are telling him that. I mean, what's interesting is if is if that's what it is, it's a total failure. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what lessons they they draw upon this. I think Hersh's conclusion is is that you know the Bush administration will do the usual thing and pretend like this was successful. Bush is already calling saying that Israel's prevailed in this endeavor. I heard some of the. Uh, his comments yesterday, and like the the sort of blinders these people all have on, never ceases to amaze me. I appreciate very much your your relaying in print what Rita Malouf has to say about what's going on over there, and and perhaps uh, in the weeks to come, you can uh, you can update us from what she's saying is on on the air here. Well, you know what? This morning she is talking about because uh, I was wondering what she was going to do there. Her parents lived there, and. And uh, I thought, you know, maybe because of all this, she might end up staying. But she intends to come back to attend classes this fall at Davis. And uh, I'm encouraging her to tell her story in the News and Review, you know, herself. And, uh, you know, she might be available to be on your show as well. We certainly hope that that is the case and that she'll get over here safe and sound and that things are going to settle down over there. Um, I hope so, too. Let's, uh, let's talk about uh, your, your sort of, I think, milestone article here on the new nukes, which made some pretty darn fascinating reading. Uh, let's talk about uh, what, you, what you discovered. Well, several uh, very prominent environmentalists uh, concerned about global warming uh, have recently reversed uh, their opinion about nuclear power and uh, feel that uh, we should give nuclear power a second chance. I'm looking at your article right now. You do have Stuart Brand, founder of the Whole Earth Catalog, Patrick Moorcore, founder of Greenpeace, and James Lovelock, creator of the Gaia Hypothesis. Right. Yeah, and these are high-profile guys, although, you know, they do have now contacts within the nuclear industry, so perhaps they're not coming from a completely unbiased point of view, but they were all prominent environmentalists at one time, and, and, uh, and now they have a new view. And, you know, mainly this has to do with the fact that nuclear power does not produce uh, greenhouse gases, uh, carbon dioxide and the like. And, uh, in, in, you know, at the same time, uh, it, you know, can make tremendous amounts of energy. And uh, so it's, uh, it, to them, uh, the idea that uh, of going back to nuclear power makes sense. From my personal standpoint, I, I need to interject. I think that uh, when I listen to, like, the Rush Limbaugh's of the world going on and on about, you know, environmentalists in a very pejorative way, um, I sort of roll my eyes. But when it does come to this nuclear issue, it, a lot of folks get pretty knee-jerky from what I can see. Well, yeah, I mean, I do believe that is true. Uh, as a result of this article, uh, we had a, a, a meeting yesterday with uh, Rochelle Becker, executive director for the Alliance for Nuclear Responsibility. And, I mean, she's been really involved in the anti-nuclear movement for 30 years. And, and uh, 
you know, talking to her yesterday, it's like once we both got past sort of our knee jerkiness, and, and I can jerk my knee both ways on this issue, uh, <laughs> what I found with her is that, you know, she has genuine safety concerns, but she also understands that there's a number of pressing issues that, you know, might make nuclear power the only option. So yeah. her concern is, if that is our only option, let's make damn sure it's safe. Let's talk a little bit about Rancho Seco. Here in SMUD, here in Sacramento, we've got a nuclear power plant, or did have one just south of the city. And Ed Smeloff and a few other people on the SMUD board decided they were going to shut it down, and they succeeded about, what, 17 years ago or so. That was right about the same time that uh, I started. The, I mean, I came to Sacramento in 90, so it had already sort of happened. From what I read from the, during my research for the story, um, there were a number of issues uh, at, at Seiko. Uh, some of them were design issues. Um, you know, it wasn't the same basic plant uh, in the company that manufactured it as Three Mile Island. That didn't really help the public <laughs> image of the plant. And, uh, and But most of their real issues there seemed to deal with personnel and management issues. And uh, even, to, you know, uh, Professor Paul Craig, who's uh, quoted in the story, uh, and who's become much more anti-nuclear nowadays, he was, you know, interviewed back then, and back then in those days, you know, he thought that Rancho Seco could be salvaged if uh, if just the, you know, the right management team was put in. But, you know, that's not what happened. I gather when you did your research for this article, you had more material than you wind up getting into the, the, the news and review. Um, what didn't make the, uh, the paper? Um, on the nuclear story? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the main thing that I was disappointed that didn't get in there was, was uh, I'm really interested in the issue of peak oil and, uh, and you know, this idea that uh, our, our oil supply is being depleted and, uh, and, you know, that we might be in real serious trouble, in a, you know, within a decade. Uh, if not sooner, um, we may be experiencing it already, in fact, with uh, the high prices that we're seeing for the last two or three years. I think nuclear power has tremendous implications as far as that's concerned. Sure. Um, I mean, it's even with nuclear power, where if we went all out, it's like a lot of experts say we could be still in deep trouble. So it's a very complex issue. Uh, it's uh, oil depletion is, is by no means a consensus about it. In fact, it's very similar to what was going on with global warming 15 years ago. Um, you know, people were kind of many scientists were sure it was happening, but there wasn't overall agreement. Uh, that's where pig oil is today. Just because of the amount of space I had, I was not really able to talk about that. Well, we, we we sympathize with you having only one hour a week to go over stuff. But maybe you can come back in the weeks to come here and talk a little bit about that. It's a story that's not going to go away, and we and we know also that you've got an opinion or two about the stadium issue. Sure, I do. Uh, and, uh, and as far as the uh, nuclear power issue, I will be. I'm working on a follow-up right now about some uh, issues that are going uh, through the legislature right now. In fact, Rochelle Becker was, uh, was the person that got me interested in that story. So it's uh, I'm definitely you know I'm interested in sources from whatever side of any issue uh, you know that uh, want to talk to me. Well, come back and talk to us about it as well. And, and for, um, I'd, I'd be happy to. For those who haven't read your article, where can I refer them to on the web? Oh, uh, you can go to uh, www.newsreview. Com. Then just go to the archives and uh, go to the August 3rd issue, and uh, that'll pop up. 
All right. Well, R.V. Scheid, reporter for the Sacramento News and Review, doing some fine work over there. Uh, glad to have you talk to us and hope we can have you on again. Um, my pleasure, Doug, and I'd be happy to come back anytime. All right, I'd like to return uh, back to the subject of Lebanon. It so happens that a few days ago, I crossed paths with someone who had just returned from the country. Layla Anani had planned to go over to visit her family and spend about six months studying Arabic when, a week after she got there, hostilities broke out. Her story was, uh, was very compelling, although I only heard a bit of it, and wanted to have her come to talk to you, the listening audience, about it, and happily she is joining us to do just that today. Welcome to Radio Parallax, Layla Anani. Thank you. This is really quite a story. You were planning to spend six months there with your family. You got there, and a week later, all hell broke loose. Yeah, everything. Um, first we heard about the South, and next thing we know, the airport was hit, and it started getting closer and closer, and a couple days later, it hit our house when um, we were in the mountains, and you can't even believe it. It was complete chaos, and nobody knows even what to do. Everyone's completely astonished with what's going on, and your life just becomes just the sounds of bombing every couple of hours. Like, you just yourself to living this way. I mean, complete stores are shut down, food is running out. I mean, everybody's going crazy, and nobody, everyone wants to get out, and we can't get out. It's completely blocked in, so... It was very difficult to just, you know, we pretty much repeated the same day over and over again every day. You woke up and it was the same day. Did you any inkling of this? Did you able to stockpile food or anything? Or Yeah, we did. We had, um, luckily we went to my aunt's house who is in a pretty good um, Christian area. So it was, this, there was a couple of shops around there and stuff. But even, even there, even in, in the Christian area, like it's not affecting them yet, but it's even then nobody's, most everyone has um, evacuated. No, nobody's coming out of their house. Even there, it's you can still feel it. So we, it, it wasn't safe anywhere. We should remind our listeners that Lebanon is about half and half in terms of Muslim and and Christian populations, with a, with other minorities, Druze, and things rounding it out. Yeah, it is. It's pre, it's pretty divided. But but you were uh, of course when all the hostilities broke out, you would, we would expect then they would be concentrating on Hezbollah strongholds, which would be in primarily Muslim areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in the direct center of Beirut, which is where our house was. So, yeah. Now, what, happen- what we- happened to your house? You had a couple houses, I guess. Yeah, we have two houses. Um, the, the main house in um, Beirut, which is it's in a place called Hata Headache, this place, um, it, it's completely destroyed. I mean, it's half a building now. So you can't even, there's not even any way to even start about fixing it. It's so destroyed. The streets, you, you can't even drive through. It's, you look around and, and you just, you can't even speak. I mean, not only that, there's, you see like, you know, the leftover toys of kids. You see, you know, teddy bears. You see all these things and and, and it, it just kills you. You can't even, you can't even talk. You just want to cry because you don't know where to begin. Why, why, did, why do you think your house wound up getting hit? Was it close to any Hezbollah facilities? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really close. Um, it's separated, like, in just couple, a couple of buildings will separate, like, a street. So, like, the, it was a couple of buildings away is where their direct location was. So we were really, 
really close to it. And, yeah, just, you know, just them shooting and them missing caused um, other homes to get destroyed. So, you know, Hezbollah is out is out outside of our house. You know, they're protecting the whole area, so they're very, very close. And the minute they see them, they're going to they're gonna hit wherever they are. Well, we see photos of, of apartment buildings down all over the place. Did you, did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. I saw a lot of wreckage, a lot of damage, um, not quite as much as there is now. I left right before it got really, really bad, but um, I did see a lot of it. How many buildings would you say you, you, you saw with your own eyes that were totally destroyed or largely destroyed? Um, I probably saw about three, and I saw um, just a lot of road damage, um, the you know the bridge was damaged. Just just a, a lot of shops like businesses w- were damaged. But whole apartment buildings, I saw about two or three. You know about what fifty homes in there. So yeah, tell tell me what happened to your, to your other house. Well, um, we were in our other house, and um, it's right in front of the freeway that goes to Damascus. And there was about fifteen of us of my family, and we're. We evacuated from our house in Beirut, and we went there thinking it was going to be safer. And next thing we know, there's we were getting hit, and 15 of us just scattered, left everything, and we piled in one car and tried to get out as fast as we could. Um, it was really hard. There was traffic. Everyone's, you know, everyone's trying to get out, and we're still getting hit. Like the surrounding area is still getting hit as we're leaving. So it was it was pretty scary. It was probably the scariest moment that, that I had the whole time I was there that we experienced. Well, it looks, it looks for the moment as if uh, hostilities have been brought to a halt. What do you think uh, people in Lebanon, what do you think the overall reaction has been to this, this whole thing flaring up again? After, after 18 years of civil war, things settled down for a decade or half of a decade, and now, and now things have been bombed out again. What, what, what do you, how do you think the population is going to look at this? I mean, now it's very hard because there is much more damage done uh, this time around than um, last time. So Really? Yeah. This is actually it, much worse than the, than the 18 years of war? Yeah. This, this, they did so much damage to like, the main center of Beirut, and it's, it's difficult because we were just rebuilding it. Right. We were just getting to the part where it was, it was becoming you know, beautiful again. So now we're, we're back 20, 30 years now. My God. So it's, it's really hard. People, most people are, are moving. Most people are going to Syria, are going to Jordan, are trying to come to America. Um, it's really hard to start over now because there's not e- the the economy is so shot now, and there's not even there's not even people to go into your business now. Everyone's gone. Nobody has money. Everyone's lost everything. So it's really everyone's just in shock, and just they they can't even believe what's what's going on. And you know, we're happy that that it stopped the way that it has, but it. It's kind of hard to know where to go from here. Layla, how, how do you think the people in Lebanon are viewing the U.S. role in all this? We pretty much feel back there in Lebanon that, you know, that, Amer- that the U.S., they're against us. Um, they're with Israel. We, we feel that they, they wanted Lebanon to be wiped out. That's how majority of people feel, whether or not they're Christian or Muslim. Most people in Lebanon have the same view about the role in, in America. I mean... Israel would not do this without American at least tacit support. Of course, yeah, we America supports Israel and everything that they were doing, and they they wanted you know Hezbollah to be disarmed. They wanted complete control over Lebanon, which it will never happen. But this is what they want. You know, people back home, people in Lebanon, they 
they have a really negative view on us now. They have the right to for for what's happening and for them supporting Israel. I mean, there's what do you, else do you expect them to think? Fair enough. Well, I guess I guess our, one of our jobs here in the, in the weeks to come is to see what we can do to to help people in Lebanon and talk about some relief efforts. And I'm sure you'll have some ideas as you're speaking to your family as you are. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will. Why don't we give this a couple weeks to settle down, then come back and, and give us an update, if you would. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you. Let us take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax, and you are listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. <laughs> 